It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to monday.com. Hello and welcome to The Tonight Show. The Temple Street spinal surgery scandal. Families say they want to meet the Taoiseach. We discuss the latest. An apology today from Gymnastics Ireland over an incident involving a young black girl snubbed at a medal ceremony. The US Olympic star Simone Biles says she contacted the girl after a video re-emerged and went viral. We debate the fallout. And the singing of the Cranberries classic Zombie by Irish supporters at the Rugby World Cup causes an online scrum. I do think they should kind of watch what they're singing about with what lyrics are in the song. It's a lovely song and people who want to sing the song, let them sing it. First tonight's twosome breaking news that's reaching us and a major multi-agency security operation is underway off the County Wexford coast after a boat ran aground. Gardaí say a live operation is continuing. Journalist Porrick Byrne joins us now from the Wexford people with the very latest on this. Um, Porrick, what can you tell us about this operation um, that's been, been conducted off the southeast coast? Uh, so essentially, I suppose the operation got underway at around 11.30 uh, yesterday night. Um, initially, it appeared to be a simple one of just a trawler had gotten into difficulty, uh, had run aground on a sandbank off the coast of Blackwater. Uh, but as things transpired, uh, thing, the story kind of grew legs over the coming hours. That um, So we had the RNLI and the Coast Guard helicopter went to attend the scene. Now, I'm told they were told to avoid actually winching anybody off the boat or or going aboard the vessel themselves, as it had been being uh, monitored by a naval patrol vessel, which was in the area. So basically, it appeared what what had happened was uh, there was a National Guard of Drugs Unit officers on board this naval vessel, the LEWB Yates, and they had been tracking this trawler for some time. And there are talks now uh, that we could be dealing with a massive, massive uh, cocaine seizure. I understand that uh, two men have been arrested, the two men that were on board the trawler. And uh, although that's Gardia remaining quite tight-lipped on it because they say it's a live operation currently, but there has been a lot of uh, traffic in the skies around the Wexford coast. Today we've had Air Corps helicopters and Air Corps planes uh, performing large sweeps up and down the coast throughout the course of the day. So it's definitely, uh, it's definitely uh, an unusual one anyway. Okay, um, thank you for that. Porrick Byrne from the Wexford People, thank you for bringing us up to date on that live operation, as you say, and I'm sure we'll get more on that in the coming hours. Well, I'm joined on my first panel tonight by Fianna Fáil Senator Malcolm Byrne, journalist and author Aoife Moore, Irish Daily Mail executive editor John Lee, and TU Dublin economist Emma Howard, because we're going to talk about the budget, which is now just two weeks away. And tonight, coalition leaders met to discuss the planned measures amid health 
overspending concerns. John, I want to come to you first on this. In terms of these budget talks, we have the three coalition leaders meeting, um, as I say. What's in the mix? Because there's a lot of expectation and burgeoning demands, I presume, from all the ministers and the departments. I thought you were going to ask me what happened in the meeting tonight and uh, I, I wouldn't have been able to report much. It, it was more a symbolic, I think, indication that the three leaders are back and they're setting off a week of bilaterals where ministers will come in and perform that dance where they ask for what they want and, um, and off we go. Um, I think it's, it's accepted something. There will be significant tax changes. Um, Fine Gael have been touting for quite a while, for, for many years now, actually, a, a furtherance of the expansion of um, the bans, which um, lessens the number of uh, lower paid workers and middle income workers who are brought into those bans. Fine Gael have um, indicated that they would favour cuts in the USC which would make sense since um, it was their involvement in the crashing of the economy that invented that tax for us all. And it, this is Michael McGrath's first outing as finance minister, uh, who has overall control of the budget. Um, then inflation will uh, probably see, a, again, a repetition of some of those mm. once-off payments, which makes them no longer once-off payments. Uh, less so, they're saying, because there doesn't seem to be the political pressure this year, as far as I can see, for um, huge action on uh, cost of living. And not that it's, it's um, changed much, so I guess. So that there will be it's payouts, but we're not going to see them, say, the three, I think we got three, 200 euro. Um, if I remember, it was, it was three, one before credits. Christmas and two after. Um, the indications now are just one. The, uh, of course, all this um, could change over the coming weeks, uh, considering how much money they have, the lower expectations, and then have a lot more. The indications also are there will be um, uh, a, a boost to social welfare payments. Again, one-off payments, maybe a double mm. uh, childcare income pay, uh, payment, a childcare, child benefit payment. There's had been touted earlier in the year that there was going to be a significant childcare budget. Um, that seems to have swayed somewhat because there have been significant cuts. I think a lot of us who have children in childcare will, will, will have realised to the payments you make for childcare, up to 25% in many cases. But the real issue, a, a lot of people will tell you, is finding a place mm -hmm. in childcare. So again, there are indications that something may be done for... Uh, workers in childcare institutions and the, uh, and payments to get um, those institutions up and running. And lastly, there is a big, one of the most interesting bilaterals will be between Norma Foley, Free Books Foley, they're now calling her, where she wants to, would like to see the free books for primary schools, where again, a lot of us were surprised when the kids went back to school, my kids are primary school ki children, that they didn't have to pay for their books. She's looking to extend that to secondary schools. Where the bill is actually much higher as well. It's about 150 point. million for, um, several hundred for secondary for schools. It was 50 million for primary, for primary schools. And uh, sorry, yes, uh, as you say, Claire, the bill for school books right, for secondary so that schools could be, is far higher. If they're, if they're looking to make some sort of, you know, headline grabbing announcements, that could be among them. Plenty of kites being flown, Aoife, yeah. of course. But where would you say are the main, you know, tension points? Because each leaders have their own party's priorities yeah. there. And there are going to be, there's, there's something around the, the fuel and, and, and the, the, the 
um, the lower VAT rate on gas and electricity there that they, mm -hmm. they may wish to extend, that the Greens may not be happy about. Yeah, and that's always going to be the pinch point, I think, in this type of coalition government. I think what's most interesting now is that we saw in the summer economic statement, I think they said there was around €2 billion Euros extra that they would have for new spending, but now we're hearing that there's been almost a billion euro overspend in health, so that means this could very much be reduced because of the health overspend. We also hear, you know, every year, and we heard it last year as well, that it was the biggest ever budget for health and the biggest ever budget for housing, which it was, but also with the influx and the growth in population that we're having paired with inflation and the cost of mm -hmm. living crisis, the budgets are just getting bigger and bigger. So I think there is going to be a serious squeeze now. And the, the other issue is there are we three parties here who really want to set out their identity in this budget. It, the Greens have their own clear identity. The issue continues to be that Fianna Gael and Fianna Fáil can't really mm -hmm. um, extract each other from each other's policies at the minute. And the other politics of it is that Sinn Féin continue to get more and more popular. We've seen record lows for um, Fianna Gael. So they want, I would say that they will want this budget to set out things are going to get better under us because they will be very, very aware of how the polls are going. And potentially influenced um, by the opposition in, mm -hmm. how they, in how they frame this budget um, for this year. Emma, to bring you in on this, mm -hmm. how do you balance all those demands and, uh, with, um, with the spend and what we always hear, a sort of caution from economists, the fiscal spending watchdog and all of that around how much you're spending in the budget versus... This idea, very true, that the country is awash with money. Yeah, so, I mean, as, as you say, the, all, you know, the Irish Finance Fiscal Advisory Council have been really clear on this, the ESRI, in their um, uh, quarterly commentary at the beginning of the summer, that really there is no scope for tax cuts and further one-off measures in this budget. So, really what you're facing here is a trade-off, right? So if you are, you know, the, the government lines and the politicians' lines are about putting more money back into people's pockets because there is this idea that we're awash with money. But a lot of that money is very... Uh, uncertain that it's going to continue into the future. So increasing core spending or cutting taxes are very hard to reverse. So, you know, if we take away the uh, corporation tax receipts that are um, very much not guaranteed going into the future. Actually, the government has been running a budget deficit for quite a number of years now. So increasing this um, core spending, while you might get some votes with it, you might put some money back into people's pockets, in the long run, it's going to keep inflation levels high. So we are still uh, at a rate of just over 6% of inflation. And the government is pumping money back into the economy is working against the European Central Bank, increasing right. interest rates and, and at risk of overheating the economy, essentially. Because we, that, that's what we're hearing about. We're hearing about tax cuts and we're also hearing about um, a cut to the USC. So how do you, how do you work that out? Because it would, it, would be a political, it would be a political win, although people did say, Malcolm, that you know, while you're kind of tweaking around potentially um, with the USC, you're not actually getting rid of it altogether. But how do you counter that with, you know, the caution and what we're hearing from economists, the warning there, not to mess around with this too much because we can't afford to really. Yeah, and, and we, we do need to take into account the fact that, you know, corporation tax receipts are probably not going to continue uh, as high and there are already early warning signs. That said, when you talk about the fiscal package, uh, and we have been talking about potentially up to 5 billion on the spending side and in and around a billion on the tax side. 
Uh, I think it is important to look at um, trying to reduce costs for ordinary families and individuals. Mm. So yes, you know, the USE is not going to be abolished in this budget, but I think there has to be something that will be done for low to middle income families, for taxpayers, that they know that they are getting money um, back into their pocket. Uh, and Isn't the Janice, argument, though, with the, with the, with the USC that actually it, it'll benefit those who are wealthier and not, that middle income earners or the squeezed middle, but if you, but if you're, where, where, where the votes are as well, but if you, if, who feel aggrieved, actually won't benefit that much from this move, but it'll politically look great. But, if you, but, but the, the difference is for those who are in you know, the 20 to 30,000 earning bracket, you, know, you can change... You know the, the the standard rate. You can increase. You know the forty thousand or forty one thousand, or or whatever. That will not benefit those on low uh, to middle incomes. The other thing is, and I know John is 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 sort of you know smiling about Norma Foley's decision to introduce free primary books at second level. No, I've That's something it's a very innovative, uh, and incredible political move. And, and, and well, it's it, not just political. People are only kind of noticing now. I think it does reduce. It does it does reduce costs for families, and I think a lot of the measures in this budget. Uh, and certainly at the Fianna Fáil Parliamentary Party meetings where we've discussed the budget, mm. very strong support for both that measure and for moves to extend it to second level and also to look at addressing ways of, for instance, improving the SUSE grant to third level to help those yeah. uh, in, in, in the education I, space. I would say, so, so Ma Malcolm has a point. Any of the tax cuts are, are regressive, so they will benefit higher earners more than low-income earners. But if you have to do one cutting the USC is going to put more of that back into low-income earners. If you increase, so what's proposed now maybe is this one or one and a half thousand increase again in that 40% tax band, that's only going to benefit workers who are on 40,000 or above. Okay, so, you um, so, you know, neither is, is a good idea at the moment, but if you have to do one, and, the USC is, and, is and, preferable. And that's what I'm saying. Will from, you do both? Will you do one? Parliamentary party. Well, well, the focus I know from the Fianna Fáil side has been on reducing the USC. Yeah, and it's tax that's cuts. been the discussion. Yeah, but, ta tax cuts on the Fine Gael side, I mean, you have to set out your stall. Yeah, but, but th this is the difference, and in terms of what Emma's been talking about, is, is that our focus is about ensuring that those families who are on the edge, that there continues to be an incentive mm. for people to be able to go to work. It also, by the way, includes, when we look at reducing costs, about extending the, re the reductions in transport costs, about going further on things like childcare costs, because for... Small businesses for ordinary but workers. But are we childcare providers who are out protesting outside the Thal tomorrow? Yeah. And, and their preschools closed for like three days yeah, this week but it, but over grievances that the funding model is completely broken. Yeah, there, there is. and there. So what, what are you talking about? No, but if, if you look at the costs, and John is right, I mean, there has been a reduction in the cost of childcare to mm. individuals. There's still problems Although with the Although what we talked about as well is that there, there, are, no, there, are, no, the there are no spaces yeah. if, if you want to come And in there. there was a promise um, that the childcare budget would be cut by 50% and now we're hearing that that's not going to be the case for this budget well, again I, as well. I, I can't see what is in the budget, but I mean, I mean, there are other areas which, for instance, have made a big difference. And when we talk on health, when we talk about measures, for instance, ex expanding access to GP-only medical cards, uh, looking at abolishing the inpatient mm. hospital charge, Charges, looking at as and from today, okay. where you have free treatments uh, for, for IVF. Those are significant costs to people who are impacted in those areas. So the government's focus has got to be for ordinary families and individuals, making sure there's an incentive to work uh, and then also that those costs are reduced. The health overspend is an interesting one because it will play into how much, essentially, John, government has to play with here. They're and we're saying... talking about a billion euro in an overspend currently. 
So how, what, are the, what are the consequences of that for this year's budget? They're saying that, um, that it'll play into... I don't recall a time when the health budget didn't run over. Uh, I think since the foundation of the HSE, it has every year, but it is higher this year than it's been. Um, inflation may play a role in that. There, there's pressure being put on Stephen Donnelly to, um, to cut that deficit. And there is, I understand, significant pressure. Essentially get better value, get better value for money within there's, the health There's service. significant pressure then coming from the Department of Health on the HSE. And I had a quick chat with the Cabinet Minister on the way out. And there is consternation, I think, about the amount of money. And I'm just quoting what the Minister said, that's been pumped into the HSE year after year with less return than they expect. And that, that is becoming problematic. So I think there's an awful lot of statements being made now on the HSE, uh, on, on the health overrun, that are part of a political game to try and squeeze that overrun. But, you know, more and more money has been pulled into, pumped into the health service. I think with ageing populations internationally, that is a feature of, uh, yeah. with health so services. So this overspend, more expensive. maybe not being unprecedented as such, and given the ageing population. Exactly. Uh, well, and I think what, what John says is right. You know, the Parliamentary Budget, budget Office report showed that uh, seven out of the eight last years, uh, the budget has been over. And the average percentage it's been um, overspent is, is just over four and a half percent, which is pretty much in line with, in percentage terms, what this billion overspend would be for this year's health budget. So... They're overspending all the time. Um, the Fiscal Advisory Council did suggest that there should be a longer term plan for spending so that really it should be five year plans that are put in place for healthcare spending. So that if you overspend so one year, we're not having this conversation every exactly, year. Exactly, yeah. So I mean, but is there, a pro is there a problem? Because we, we do keep hearing about it and it, it does continue. As we say, maybe this isn't unprecedented because as we talk about these overspends every year, the population is getting older. But there is a real problem why do you get, why do you have a budget if you can't stick to it? I mean, if you blow it by such a huge amount. Yeah, no, it, 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 it is a fair question. I mean, there are, there are probably three reasons as to why the budget was exceeded this year. Um, yes, we have a, a growing population, an older population. More people presented than was expected in our emergency mm. departments. But true, so we hear this, that every year as year. well. No, it's, it, it, it's true. Um, and the health service is better um, than it was. So one of the things, for instance, if, if you read the reports in today's Irish Times, for instance, waiting lists in the South are now half those in the North. There have been over a thousand extra beds added into the system over the last three years. That costs money. Do you, we do I mean, have a staffing... I, I, well, well, this yeah. is also part of the problem. We do have a staffing shortage within the health service. Part of the cost overrun is because money that the health service has had to spend on agency staff and on, over, on overtime. And then, yes, there is health inflation, uh, which, which is ahead of what was anticipated. And, and yet with all this, um, Aoife, viewers will be wondering, well, then we're offering all these sort of free GP services mm -hmm. and all, making all these other promises as well. So mm -hmm. how does that fit in when, you know, ministers, the health minister has been told, how do you pull back your spending when it looks like then we're, we're, we're spending big in these areas? And also the idea that we are cutting, you know, waiting lists and overcrowding may not be as bad in, in some areas as in others. 
Others would be saying we haven't seen a big difference. In this, yeah, well, I think, you know, there have been great strides made um, in the health service. You know, the free contraception for women aged 18 to 25. We're seeing, you know, the stuff brought in for IVF, the medical appointments for children. I believe it's under eight. Now, I don't think anyone would argue that they aren't necessary mm. um, and needed. But as uh, I think it was John was saying, um, there needs to be a longer term plan here. You can't just look at the good things that we have done and saying, well, we can't afford them, now we're taking them back. We should always be striving to do better and better every time. So I think absolutely there's been great stuff done. The notion that taking all this back or saying we can't afford it isn't going to fly. But I do believe, and it just every day, every year, Christmas, we hear about trolleys, we hear about the HSA, we hear about morale, overworked nurses, overworked doctors, overworked staff. And there doesn't seem to be a plan or a minister who can get a hold of it. Mm. And I really think, as we all know, but the next election is going to come down to health and but I, I would say, if you look at it in terms of on the long-term plan, I agree in the long-term funding. Like there have been an extra thousand beds, fully staffed beds, put into the system over the last three years. In terms of the number of places in medicine and nursing programs and so on, and in areas like you know physiotherapy, speech and language therapy, there have been a significant increase in the number of fully funded college places. Now, yes, I get it's going to take a number of years for all of those to come through, but there is now a long-term plan around health and I I, I would say that's if and I agree. It might even be in your gift because it's likely to be yeah, Sinn Féin yeah, that's yeah. picking this up the baton be, there. If you think back and I was in Leinster House I remember when James Riley tried to deal with health budgets he had no choice the, the IMF were, were dictating that to them and it was incredibly politically damaging if you remember some of the damage that was done to the Labour Party during that time they never recovered from. There's one there's two probably maybe one uh, budget to go to the general election. So these will be political budgets and there'll be no cutting back on how much money the HSE runs over for the next two years anyway. Maybe you'll be re-elected for uh, the current coalition and they can are with Sinn Féin and they can do something about it in the long run then. I just want to um, move on to the story about the revelations of serious safety concerns linked to spinal surgery for children um, with spina bifida at Temple Street Hospital. And patients have said, uh, Malcolm... Patients' families have said, look, we're, we're, we're being left out of the process again here. And that a 30-minute meeting with the minister simply isn't enough. And they're, they're not happy with this new external review on top of a, an earlier external and internal review at, at, at where it doesn't touch in their view. Well, I suppose, first of all, the, the two reviews, the minister wasn't happy in terms of how some of this was handled. There's obviously the internal review, which has been carried out by Dr. Colm Henry for the HSE. There's an external review, completely independent review, uh, also being carried out. What is essential in this is that the interests of patients and their families are put first. Mm. They um, don't feel that way, though. I, I accept that. So what, and, and I mean, and, and I do get that, that as I understand it, um, there was an initial offer um, of meetings with the minister, which was only half an hour. I, I understand that is, that's off the table. What the minister's made clear is, I mean, is, what look, can you get done he's happy. In, in, in 30 well, minutes, which campaigners well, well, have been looking I, for for can years? I, can I say, and I know that, that from the perspective of the minister, he is happy to meet mm. with, there are four advocacy groups operating in this space. He is happy to meet with them either in person or online. Two of the groups have agreed to do that. What's actually critical is, and what he said is, if they want to influence um, the work of the external reviewer in terms of what that reviewer is doing, um, the minister has said, 
Yes, come right. forward with the concerns that are there. I think what is critical in this and he's open is that to he's, updating the terms of reference. And, and, and he's up to okay. open to it. What is critical in this, though, is that we do get the full facts around this case. Um, there have been improvements in terms of treatment for scoliosis, uh, and uh, and it's not quite to the four month target that we want to see. No, but there's a the, hundred yeah. children. Aren't there waiting more than four the, months the, for this critical the, surgery? The, there this. are, but the, the difference I would say is that we've moved to a situation where, for instance, in 2022, there were over 500 such procedures carried out, right. whereas, you know, it was fewer than 400 only a couple of years ago. Aoife, I mean, at the end of the day, this is this is something that families and all these advocates, um, and pay, they don't want to be advocates, actually. They just want they just want their children to be healthy and living normal lives. Do you know what are forced into this situation. Do you know now. what it reminded me of? And I know it's two very different things but when the families then walked away and said listen we're not going to be part of this review it reminded me of cervical check it was the first thing I thought when we saw the advocate Millions of people have lost weight with personalised plans from Noom like Evan who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds Salads generally for most people are the easy button right for me that wasn't an option I never really was a salad guy that's just not who I am but Noom worked for me Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. It's like Vicky Phelan and Stephen Teep and Lorraine Walsh saying, we are not going to take part in this because the review uh, is too narrow and it's not going to be patient-focused and whatever else it was. And they walked away from it and it didn't work. And I don't know why the lessons can't be learned from each health crisis that we have or each whatever it is or public crisis that we have, why the government can't learn from its mistakes and say, OK, this needs to be patient-focused. And like the notion of giving, I don't know how many people are in these advocacy groups, but 30 minutes is never going to be enough. Mm-hmm. I mean, when politicians talk, they talk for long enough anyway. But, like, the notion that you would give these people half an hour when serious damage has been done to their children and they're looking for answers. Okay, there we're going to have to leave that for now. My thanks to Emma. Malcolm, Aoife and John are staying on with me. Coming up next, that racism row in Gymnastics Ireland. Do stay with us. Welcome back. Gymnastics Ireland has apologised unreservedly to a young black girl and her family for the upset that was caused by an incident at an event in Dublin last year. A video which has gone viral and re-emerged over the weekend shows the girl apparently being snubbed during an award ceremony. The girl's parents have requested that the video is not shown or reshared out of concern for their daughter. Well, the US Olympic gymnastics star Simone Biles said that she has reached out to the girl. 
Um, and to discuss this further, uh, we're welcoming back Malcolm, Aoife and John, who are still here with me. I'm also joined by Amina Mustafa from Sport Against Racism in Ireland and by former Leitrim hurler, Zach Moradi. And we did invite Gymnastics Ireland on the programme tonight, but no spokesperson was available to us. Um, so thank you for joining us tonight, Amina and Zach. And Amina, I want to come to you first because um, Sport Against Racism Ireland, your organisation was contacted by the family in March of last year, yeah. a day after this particular event and, and when this, when this uh, video was uh, originally captured. So tell us about that. Yeah, so the incident happened on the 6th of March. So the following day, we um, heard from the mother of the, the young girl um, who shared the video and explained what had happened. It also included um, a representative from Gymnastics Ireland in the email. So we were just one of a few that had been contacted at the time. Um, so our CEO had reached out to... Uh, you know, show support for the family and apologise for what had happened. Um, but that we'd said we um, would reach out to the CEO of Sport Ireland and the Minister um, of Sport, uh, Jack Chambers, um, to uh, call for or ask for an inquiry into the, into the incident. Um, at the time, we didn't hear anything from um, Sport Ireland, but we just received um, uh, a response to say that the email had been received by the minister, and that was it. At no follow-up. No follow-up. Um, yeah, so we we had just been back and forth to check in with the family um, and offer support. But uh, other than that, you know, um, we didn't really have any response then from okay. Gymnastics Ireland or um, Sport Ireland. So there was a mediation process that the parents were involved in. Were yeah. Gymnastics Ireland involved in that as well and the person, the judge at the centre of this? In the video, because um, people may not have seen it and indeed the family didn't want it reshared, but that there are medals ha handed out and every child along the row appears to receive a medal bar this one little girl in the middle of that video, a little black girl, and she, she's bypassed, that's a, a, mm. as it appears. Um, and that's where, you know, the, the claims of racism came from and the family were upset at this. Um, so what happened during that mediation process? Um, I wasn't part of the, the mediation process or um, a representative from Sari wasn't mm. present. Um, but supposedly there was an agreement that was made. Okay. Um, but... Uh, from from our understanding, they're still not a satisfactory. And there, there are grievances you know, there. Yeah, the family wanted a public apology on this. Um, just mm. um, listening to this, Malcolm, um, you're on the Oireachtas Sports Committee, and we also heard there from Amina saying, you know, sorry, we're in touch with the sports minister at the time, and yeah, the email was noted, but no response. Now, anyone who may have seen that video would be utterly appalled and shocked by it. Mm. Is it unusual that there was no response from government to this? Well, I can certainly say I was shocked and we've got to say very clearly racism has no place in sports. Sport is something that's very positive and should always be inclusive. Um, we have addressed this on uh, the, uh, the Iraq, the Sports Committee. The problem that we've seen about the rise of racism in sport uh, and I mean, there, there are examples. I mean, I know in, in the case of the Wexford hurler Lee Chin, who has faced appalling racist abuse, including at a charity match. Uh, and in those circumstances, as you recall, the GA took very strong action against uh, the person from the sideline who was essentially banned from GA uh, events for 48, uh, 48 months. So what um, about the, the Gymnastics I, I think, Ireland response I, here, I, I, in your I think, view? So um, 
I'm surprised that this is running as long as it did because when I saw the video, like most people, I assumed it was something relatively recent, that it only happened mm. at the weekend. Uh, and I was quite surprised to hear this was something that had happened last year and that it doesn't appear that action or even in a full inquiry has taken place since. I would have expected in the circumstances uh, that Gymnastics Ireland would have carried out a full and immediate inquiry uh, and would have taken action on foot of that. Um, I think I understand the young girl is, is back involved in gymnastics and I think you know she deserves the very best and full support. Mm-hmm. But I am disappointed about the fact that it, there doesn't appear to have been a full inquiry and action taken on foot of that. We've made recommendations um, that for any national governing body that doesn't take the question of abuse in sport seriously, that questions will arise uh, around their access to state funding. Uh, and it is something we, we've got to take very seriously. Okay, uh, and I may come back to you on that one. Um, for their part, uh, Gymnastics Ireland have, have said that you know they've apologised uh, to, to the gymnast and her family for the upset caused. And please know that at all times we've been acting in good faith and with the best of intentions in trying to resolve this very difficult and sensitive matter. Um, Zach, I want to bring you in here. Um, you're a hurler. You play sport. From your point of view, though, you came to Ireland when you were a young boy. Um, and in your experience, were you surprised when you saw what happened to that little girl in the video um, and um, the, the claims of racism around that incident? Well, usually sometimes when you hear racism, sometimes it's from people that are uneducated or sometimes they might have drink or drug problems or something. when you get down the road, um, you'll just forget about it and walk away. But um, but this was obviously probably, I don't know, someone, she must have been working there or mm. does she work there, I mean, or she volunteering or whatever, no excuse. But then as well, it was surprised as well, um, when the photographer was there as well, he was standing right there and I was surprised he didn't do anything about it and he was just mm. there trying to take photos and it's like I'm coaching with on the 14 mm-hmm. hurling team in Thomas Davis GA club. Sometimes when I leave well, I two, three he... kids on the sideline, and mm-hmm. some people will be like, "Oh, you forgot to bring him on. Bring him on. Give him a game." You know, mm-hmm. but just, this could have been easily fixed. But then um, I'm surprised there's no one from here but from Gymnastic before... Ireland. Yes, to... and we did reach out to Gymnastics Ireland, but they were they were unavailable to us tonight. Um, what they what they did say and what has been reported was that somebody at the time, immediately after this was noted. Um, then the, the child in question was given a medal and the photographer there was obviously um, doing his job and taking photographs of those that were up on stage um, at the time. But I, I wanted to ask you, Zach, just on your experience, do you think that video that we saw reflects a wider problem of racism in, in sport? Um a little bit, but not not too much. But um, like you're going to get racism, you know, in every sport. Um, there's racism everywhere. There's no country is perfect. But um, the only way I don't know, maybe we need to do more probably workshops for mm. coaches, coaching the coaches. Um, like what we do in GA clubs, they're always coaching the coaches. Uh, maybe this is something we might have to do. 
like Sari does it a lot, a lot around education. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah, would you agree with that, Eva? Yeah, as well? I think you know it's all well and good, and every big company and every sports company, every business will have an anti-racism policy because everybody has to have mm -hmm. one. But I think what is important and that everyone needs to take from this is it's not good enough to say we're not racist. You have to be actively anti-racist. We are becoming a much more multicultural society, and we need to take that into consideration as well. And I think. Everybody has, you know, everybody's learning and everyone has to, you know, try their best or whatever. But this really isn't good enough. The, the video when I watched it was absolutely heartbreaking. I was baffled by the entire thing. The con like Ireland as a country, like every other country has serious issues mm. with racism. And I think if we can let this be a lesson, I'm sad that it had to happen for this wee year. But if we could let this be a lesson now that sports clubs, especially because they are so important in community, they're so important when it comes to inclusion, that this cannot happen again. And it's not good enough to say, oh, we hate racism because everyone says that you need to be actively anti-racist in your policies and whether it's coaches or CEOs or whoever yeah. else. What about um, a, a political response to this, John? And um, we heard um, it mentioned there by Malcolm about you know funding, depending on organisations adhering to... to um, to certain codes and to having firm policies in place. Do you think the government needs to sit up a bit more on, on this? Because, like, that video, we're talking about it going viral, it was viewed globally, and the news reaction to it was picked up right around the world. We had, you know, one of the biggest sports stars in the world, Simone Biles, <coughs> reaching out to that child, and it happened right here. Well, the, the reaction from the organisation seems to be incredibly slow, and what... what you can only judge what happened by looking at, at the video. And to me, it indicates a presence of, um, uh, I suppose you'd be careful what you say legally and, and everything mm. else, but it, 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 there is a presence of something very casual happening there that is within society that, they, that people believe they can behave like this without even, do, without even doing it. Now, what we haven't ha heard from Gymnastics Ireland or anyone else is anything but incoherent. So what, what I haven't seen is an explanation for what happened. Yeah. So if there's no explanation that, you know, whatever, I was distracted or there was a confusion over medals, which we've seen at medal ceremonies at the highest level, but that hasn't come. So then you must presume that something appalling happened. And if something appalling happened, I can only imagine the family from, and again, I've read the statements from every side, so I, I think there is a lot of incoherence there because it's not clear what happened with the mediation, that the family would pursue something through the courts, one can only imagine. Mm. If it was my daughter, I certainly would be. And uh, I have a nine-year-old um, uh, daughter, and I, I, I must say I was very upset watching the mm. thing. I thought it was absolutely awful. Mm -hmm. And in the absence of a proper explanation, Gymnastics Ireland has to be hauled in by the minister, and Jack Chambers is a, is a very... Uh, emotionally intelligent minister and I'd like to know what happened there as well because I'm sure he has an explanation a lot of stuff comes across his desk did it get to him I don't know but uh, of course ultimately the government funds this organisation Amina um, on that and we were just saying in, in the absence of that because I do think it's mm -hmm. I think people have been so appalled by it um, whether you have children or not or you know young people in your lives just at a young child being treated in such a way um, that people say, well, what actually, it just, it seems so blatant, what, what, what was behind that? In that vacuum of information, there's a lot of people then reacting on social media mm -hmm. and saying, well, this is, what, this is yeah. how it can be explained. And that's why the video came down, because, oh, you know, because it can actually be explained away. Is that part of the problem as well, that the family are feeling from this? 
Well, I mean, I think the, the main reason from my understanding why the family don't want it up is the impact that it has on the child. Yeah. You know, like if your um, face is, is all over um, social media, but for this particular reason, you know, how that impacts on your day to day when you're in school and when you're interacting with people like um, but also at the time, you know, the confusion and, and particularly for the family, what do they say to their child about the reason why mm -hmm. this happened? Um, I think just going back to what was said that like there's a lot of emphasis on reacting to the situation, which I think that's not the approach that we should be taking. We need to be now looking at being pr proactive, like, mm -hmm. OK, this has happened and it's been 18 months now since the incident and still we're talking about what the reaction is mm -hmm. by whether it be Sport Ireland, the minister or Gymnastics Ireland. But we're not focused on, OK, how do we prevent this from happening again? What's going to be our um, our protocol? There needs to be preventative measures in place. Um, and whether that be talking about the, the practices and processes in place, because it is an evidence what processes went about to get to this conclusion, mm -hmm. you know, other than a statement came out. But... Yeah. Like across cross sport mm -hmm. and more generally, I think this is an, uh, highlighting an issue that we have racism in this country, not just in sport, but, you know, yeah. um, reflective. It's, it's an interesting one, Zach. And you've pointed like to just the kindness of people and being nice and just involving and keeping an eye out and, and, you know, watching each other's backs, essentially, when it comes even in the, in the game of sport. But do you think there needs to be more of a proactive policy? You've worked on anti-racism campaigns um, that we you know, that there needs to be more around that that's kind of helps to change people's behaviour in a very real way? Um, I think uh, maybe we'll, we should probably start in primary schools and mm. educate the young kids. And, and sometimes, you know, it's not the kids, it's sometimes the adults because um, kids pick up stuff what adults' parents say at home and they bring it into school and onto the streets. But, um, but this thing with the gymnastic that happened, my opinion is they should have sorted it out within the first two weeks. But then it went on so long and they put a, send, in, what, send an email on Twitter or whatever, a tweet up like, nine months later. Um, they said, you know, it's just mm -hmm. not good enough nine months later. It should have been sorted out within a week mm -hmm. or two weeks. Mm -hmm. You know, if you get a red card in a GA match, you're up in playing club, you're up in Parnell Park. Why did you get sent off? There's the appeal. There's the video evidence. You know, and we saw it within two weeks. But this is going on, what, 11 months and... 18 months at yeah. this point. 18 yeah. months, I, yeah. I, I think it is, though, though it is important, and, 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 and I agree, but, you know, incidents like this need to be called out. But there are a lot of sports clubs and organisations who are very positive uh, and who are celebrating the diversity of Irish society. We, you know, we look at the rugby team at the weekend. You know, look, we look at the successes in Irish athletics. We look at what the GA is doing on the ground, what Cricket Ireland are doing. Um, so... I think, yes, we need to stamp out the racism where it's there, but I think the positive messages and the inclusive nature of sport also needs to be celebrated. And there's lots of people around the country at a local okay. level and in every sport. We're doing a lot of good work. We're doing a lot of good work. Okay, uh, there we'll leave it. My thanks to Amina and to Zach. Coming up next, the singing of a Cranberries classic at the Rugby World Cup. Are we too concerned about sports stadium anthems? Stay with us.
Welcome back. The singing of the Cranberries classic Zombie by Irish rugby fans at the World Cup in France has caused some controversy with some criticism of the adoption of the song by supporters. We got some views on the streets of Dublin today. Well, it, it, sports is all about tribalism. You've got tribes for and tribes against. And you get one side singing a song that the other side doesn't like. It is what it is. That's sports for you. I do think they should kind of watch what they're singing about, with what lyrics are in the song. Even though I didn't really find that offensive. It has a lot of other meanings than the stuff from, from the past and I think people need to get over it a small bit. So it's a lovely song and people who want to sing the song, let them sing it. Okay, some mixed views there. Well, Senator Malcolm Byrne and journalist Aoife Moore and John Lee are still here with me to discuss all of this. Um, it's interesting because when this song was played and it was, I mean, you could hear the full lyrics and the crowd all swaying to it in Stade de France. And then the criticism that erupted online, uh, criticism that it tells the nationalist people that it was all in their head. What do you think of that, Aoife? I would love... 10% of the energy that the media and people online spend talking about songs at sports games than they would spend on discussing the legacy ball currently passed by the House of Commons in which people who murdered people in Northern Ireland are getting a get-out-of-jail-free card. We never see comms about that in the same instance that we will see about the Wolf Tones and the Cranberries. Mm -hmm. It is not anything to do with victims. It's not anything to do with Northern Ireland. It's songs at football matches. Most people at football matches are not thinking about the political outcome of the song that they're singing. This is such a reductive waste of our time, waste of our energy. Okay. I, and I just would like people to take more of an interest in Northern Ireland if that's what you're trying to do. If you want to okay. take an interest in what's happening, take an up. interest. Yeah, but it did blow up regardless. Um, the likes we had uh, comedian Tyke Hickey saying it was the perfect partitionist anthem, complete lack of understanding for the lived experience of Northern nationalists. Yes. Now that's, so, our, that's kind of part of your argument that why yeah. aren't we discussing the legacy, blah, blah, blah. blah. But at the same time, about this song, are there any elements of it that you do take offence to, like people took offence to uh, the Wolftown song? Absolutely. Is there like a nuance there oh, no, and does absolutely. it offend you? And like, I'm not going to get into the politics of, the zo of Zombie and Dolores O'Riordan, but the song was written after the death of a child in England while hundreds of children have been killed in Northern Ireland and the song wasn't mm. written then. That's why people think the song is partitionist. I don't think rugby fans were singing it to get up the nose of Northern Nationalists. I don't think that they were singing the Wolf Tones at different matches to get up the nose of Northern Unionists. They're just singing a song because they're all at a match and they're singing a song. I just think this is all a reductive argument. There is so much ignorance about the North already and arguing about whether a song is partitionist or not is not really helping anything when there isn't enough education about it in the South anyway. So in your view, sing away? It's sing away, no I issue could with not care less. All right, OK. Uh, John Lee, what do you take uh, to the reaction um, to Zombie? First off, the fans that were singing it there, would you agree that... They're just singing a song that is an anthem that, that the Limerick people and the Munster supporters in particular have really latched onto. Um, the Cranberries, of course, being a Limerick band and it, it is that sort of sports favourite and a good anthem. Well, it's a song that's rather obscure if you look at the lyrics. I mean, I used maybe the only person on the panel who was in pubs and um, nightclubs when it was playing and I never really knew at the time that it was about what it was about till this... Um, controversy about it. Um, Dolores O'Riordan, I think a lot of the 
meaning that's drawn from the song is an interview that Dolores O'Riordan gave or gave a statement about her motivation for writing it. Mm -hmm. And that was for her reaction to an IRA uh, atrocity, one of one of its many, many gruesome, horrific um, uh, atrocities that is um, conducted in the name of Ireland. She was entitled to do it and she she saw it as, as an anti-war song. Um, if people are offended by an anti-war song, I can't see. That's not why they're I ca- offended. I can't see. I don't know why anyone's that's offended. Not why they're, offended. It's well, not, they're not offended by anti-war. They're offended at the notion that she would write the song after the death of an English child and songs weren't written when there was children in the North that weren't. But that's a song about that instance. You know, you can't be offended or people can be offended by whatever they're offended about, but the woman wrote a song about her feelings about an incident mm. in Britain. The IRA's campaign was ca- carried out against Britain. It didn't, it didn't have any support politically in Northern Ireland until that pestilent group of people laid down their arms. It never had any support in the Republic sure. of Ireland. And the woman was entitled to do what she did. I, I, I think we should just, I mean, I, I, I think I, I did know the, the, the meaning of, of, of the song, but I think like everybody else uh, was just enjoying the celebration on Saturday night. I mean, it was an incredible feeling. And I think it was just that burst of emotion. And by the way, I probably preferred them singing Zombie to The Fields of Athenry, which is a song about the famine, which, you know, in many ways, if you think about the lyrics of that, you'd kind of wonder, is it appropriate to sing in a rugby so song? So don't I, overthink I, it, is what I, you're I, saying. I'm just saying, don't overthink it. I think we just should celebrate the amazing performance of the Irish rugby team at the, at the weekend. I mean, that's a team that have, okay. has given people north and oh, south so much joy. You're getting away from the subject now. No, no, no. I would actually argue, in, in terms of you know, okay. shared experiences, the rugby team, which is an all-island team, Absolutely. has done more to bring people together from so you, all traditions you, you, on this island. I, I just think let's celebrate the Rugby okay. World Cup, the joy that that team uh, are bringing um, to all of us. I just thought it was amazing watching the right. stadium and, and, and people okay. being able to celebrate. We're out of time. To celebrate. Well, you know, well, 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 yeah, I so agree turned. with okay. you on that. We've got to go. Uh, we have John. to leave it there. Thanks to Malcolm, to Aoife, to John, to all our panellists tonight. That is it from us. Our programme is available as a podcast on all major platforms. You can also now find us on Instagram and on TikTok, but from all the late team here, good night.